let's get out of the Sprint special guest line, Gordon Sprint. They make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. He uh, makes the magic happen for Yahoo Real GM and Pro Basketball Talk. He's our good friend Keith Smith with us here on The Big Show. Keith, how are you and yours? Everybody doing all right? We're doing okay in this uh, crazy world we're in. Just going a little stir crazy, but we're hanging in there. I hope the same for all of you. Absolutely, uh, 100%. And uh, we're, of course, following all the news in regards to the NBA in hopes that it could possibly return in some way, shape, or form. And based on uh, conflicting reports and the many reports today, it seems like at very least the players are talking about returning. What's your read on the news we've seen today? Yeah, it was interesting to see that initial report that there was kind of some informal polling going on. Then a, uh, one saying, that's not happening, followed up by it is happening followed up by my colleague at Yahoo, Chris Haynes, reporting that there was a, a player call where it was just some some of the league's bigger stars got together and talked. And, and it sounds like we're starting to come to a consensus that a good chunk of the players want to come back and play again and they want to finish out this season and they want to get it done. It seems to be a little hit or miss on those that are on teams that are clearly outside the playoff picture. But I, I think, you know, everybody, I don't want to say everybody, a good majority of people seem pretty united that the best direction here is to try to get this season finished out and that's on both the ownership side the league side the players association and the players so what's your best guess about what form it will take yeah for a long time i believed we were gonna see all 30 teams in some semblance of finishing out the regular season i'm starting to think that that just seems less and less likely i think what they could do is something where they bring the teams that are that are in playoff contention still in and have those teams do something towards finishing out the regular season. Maybe those teams that are in in the playoffs for certain, they, they can treat it more like a preseason kind of warm-up for the playoffs. But Adam Silver seemed to be pretty consistent in that he wants to have as close to a real playoffs as he can with seven-game series and those types of things because there's a belief in the NBA that that crowns a more true champion than that the best team truly wins. You remove a lot of luck out of things. So if you're going to do that, I think you're probably going to have to let go of the idea of finishing out some semblance of a real regular season with all 30 teams. So I think maybe a shortened regular season uh, featuring maybe just uh, playoff contending teams and then right into the playoffs after that. How delicate is the testing issue? I mean, I think we all realize that significant testing would be a part of any solution, but the test not being available to everybody in the general public, how much is the NBA concerned with that? Yeah, they're extremely concerned. That's been from almost moment one when it was talked about anything with even letting the players come back into the facilities. It was, we're not going to do this if it means taking tests away from the general public. And that's taken on a couple different forms. And that seems to be going a little bit more uh, city by city, state by state, area by area type of thing. For example, here in Central Florida, the Orlando Magic, it sounds like maybe they're going to return to the practice facility tomorrow. It might be later this week. But part of the reason why they're going to do that is because they feel comfortable that testing is where it needs to be here in the Central Florida area where I live. And that seems to hold true. I know several folks who have gone and gotten a test and just because they weren't feeling so good and wanted to rule it out and make sure and, and they didn't have any issues. So I think it really is highly dependent on where they are. But for the league restarting play as a whole they've determined that they're going to need you know thousands upon thousands of tests 
available to them to make sure everyone is healthy and stays healthy. And they're not going to do that if that means taking it away from folks who really need them, because that's just a PR hit that the NBA doesn't want to even you know, start down that road. So will the testing make it so that it'll be okay for the players to be involved with their families or friends? or uh, what, what does the testing mean as far as the living conditions for the players as they compete? Yeah, it seems to be leaning towards the single site idea is going to be probably the only way this gets pulled off. There's just too many places in the in the, the NBA map that aren't going to be reopened in, in any uh, reasonable time to finish this thing out. It sounds like uh, Los Angeles County, which is home to a couple of teams, is going to do stay at home through, uh, through well into the summer. And that's going to be really hard for the NBA if they wanted to do anything with teams in their home market. So I think the idea is the single site. Everyone gets tested when they come in and then you basically try to quarantine them it sounds like they're making arrangements that players can bring their family uh, that seemed to be a, a non-starter for everybody was we're not common if we can't bring families with us and that seems to be the NBA's in agreement with that and I think the, the two areas that have been most prominently mentioned by uh, Walt Disney World and Las Vegas are they, they're big they, they can do that they can you know handle the families coming with them and then you have to have tests available throughout because the idea is there is going to be you, you can't completely build the bubble that nobody gets in you're going to have to have food delivered you're going to have to have some things like that happen and you want to be able to 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 continue to test so they're going to want to make sure hey somebody you know is not feeling so hot or they're running a little bit of a fever let's get them a test and make sure we we know what this is right away Keith Smith is with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Do you expect most of the players to be on board with this, or do you think there will be some pushback? I think you're going to get some pushback, and I think that's something that the NBA prides themselves on, that all their players have a voice, all their players are socially conscious. But at the end of the day, I think the vast majority of players are going to be uh, on board with this. I've talked to many uh, from all levels in the league and a lot of them are you know feeling of hey there's a lot of money at stake and and for the guys who they're they're really set for life they're they're the guys who've already signed those big massive contracts and they're going to be fine forever they're looking out for the guys who they they might only have a year or two in the league and you know for for all that it's more money than i'm ever going to make in a year they're they're uh they're it's still not you know comparative to hundreds of millions of dollars where they're set for the remainder of their life if they do nothing else so i think their idea there is, hey, we, we need to take care of everybody here, and there's a lot of money at stake for all. So I do think you're going to ultimately get a lot of the players on board. And then there's a competition factor that I don't think can be really overlooked here. This was a season where seven, eight teams believed, you know, hey, we have a chance at this. We can go out and win this championship. And I think those teams really want to get back in there and see, you know, hey, let's see this thing through. Let's go, you know, play for that title. Will there be an asterisk next to whoever is crowned champion if it happens? Yeah, I, I, I see and hear that a lot. I, I think it's, as long as you have something resembling a real playoff, it, you know, maybe there's some shortened series early in the early rounds, but as long as the, you know, maybe the conference finals and the NBA finals are seven games, I think everyone will get past that. I think it'll be uh, without an asterisk. It'll probably be talked about things like the lockout seasons, where it was, well, you know, that was that weird lockout season, and this happened, you know, and that that happened, and those kind of things. Now, if you get something weird like the Brooklyn Nets get in as a seven or eight seed, and then Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are back on the floor. 
now all of a sudden that you know maybe paints a little bit of a different picture. Even though those the, the, the all signs are that they won't play, but I think those are the things that you're kind of looking at and wondering about. But I think as long as it's something resembling a real playoff, so I think everybody will be on board and say, all right, we got this. We understand what it is. Let's all just move it forward because this is what it's going to be. What has been your major takeaway from the Michael Jordan docu-series? Yeah, so I lived through all of that. And, you know, so a lot of it isn't overly new to me, but it's so well done and well presented that it's absolutely keeping me enthralled. I think really these last couple episodes were two of the best. When you really got to see the end of that, uh, I believe it was episode seven, where he he was just 20-some-odd years later, he's breaking down because of how competitive he is and how much he wanted everybody else to want it as much as him. And that's something when you read about the truly great athletes, in every sport, uh, that's something that they all share. It's a lot of times why some of them, you know, don't never go on to be coaches or, or general managers or anything because they they just can't get the, their teams to the same level that they were at, and then they don't have that direct impact on the floor to to do it for them. So that that was uh, re- really neat to, to me to see. But I'll tell you, my number one takeaway is my my ten year old daughter has been watching it with us. We, we've been allowing her to watch the uncensored version, which maybe says a lot about us as parents. Um, but you know, we've got her her watching it, and she just the fact that she she didn't really know anything about Michael Jordan, and she looked over to me at a couple different points and said, "Wow, it really was like he could fly," and I think that's pretty cool. What? How many? In your time covering sports in general, what what percentage of athletes do you think have that care factor that Jordan had? Because I mean, and the way he expresses it is different. I wrote a column about this, but like Tim Duncan was very was a fierce competitor, but he didn't necessarily beat up on his teammates the way Jordan did. Is this how common is that? I don't know that it's as common as we think. I, I think you, you definitely, the, the truly great players, I think, are there. I, I, I'm with you that I think a lot of them don't express it the way Michael Jordan did. Um, but, you know, I, a guy I grew up you know, watching was Larry Bird, and, and you would always hear about how he would, you know, relentlessly ride guys who he just didn't believe had it, and guys who weren't gonna gonna help them. The, the Joe Barry Carrolls of the world and the Brad Lowhouses. He was, you know, all over those guys, and was, you know, uh, they, they don't have it, and I'm gonna, you know, get them out of here. And then I think you have other guys who are a little bit quieter leader. You know, John Stockton, I think, absolutely had that, you know, that that attitude of, you know, winning is is right there for me. It's a, you know, all the way as the top priority. And it's all I want to do, but he wasn't out there, you know, belittling people and, and driving them down. I think that's the form of leadership. But but I think to get to that truly all-time great level, you either have to have an abundance, a ridiculous amount of talent um, to overcome, eh, only kind of caring, or you need to, you know, really, really care. And then the very best, obviously, have both. You know, one thing with this this Jordan documentary that that stood out to me is I didn't realize how much Jordan really isolated himself. He wasn't popular with his his teammates. He didn't treat them particularly well. But it goes back to early in the series where he talked about how he dropped by the hotel room and there was drugs and some things that he didn't want to be a part of. And he decided then that it was going to be him. And I, I'm sure you've noticed camaraderie in the locker room has been a bit of a topic around here during this whole thing. And uh, I, I'm curious how much. Locker room camaraderie and and everybody getting along, how much does that really matter when it comes to ultimate success in the NBA? 
Yeah, I think it does matter. I think it's, it's a level of buy-in where, where guys trust each other and they, they believe in each other and they, they want it for each other. I think that's important. But then I think there is a part of it, too, where winning brings that as well. I, the team I am here with in Orlando, the Magic, it's been a pretty good locker room for a number of years. But when they were finally getting to be a playoff team last year with this group, it just became a very different sort of place. And I think it was – it was very special for them because they all, a lot of their key guys went through that together. They, they'd been together for any number of years, you know, four or five years for some of them to push in and finally get there and get into the playoffs and, and to have done it to get together. But, but there were times when it was, it was always a pretty good locker room. There was never any issues that I ever saw in there, but it was more of a, um, well, once they were finally there, you, you got a whole different sense. So I, I think it's one of those things you, you needed early on, but I think winning, as does a lot of things, cures all. But then I think there's a point, too, to it as well on the flip side. When you were together for as many years as a team like the Bulls were, there becomes a point where it just kind of grinds on guys, where it's like, this isn't for me. I think Horace Grant is a great example of that, where they, I just they, I don't want to do it anymore, and I'm not going to, you know, I've done my part and been here, and I'm moving on from this. And I know Jordan was retired at that time, but I think that's where he was getting to anyway at that point in his career. So when you used an interesting word there, you said four, uh, and who was it who said that players shouldn't just play with each other, they need to play for each other? What the he- what the heck does that mean? I guess that's sort of what you just addressed, but uh, – what what does that mean? Yeah, for me, that means when I look at you're celebrating the success of the guy next to you as much as you want your success celebrated. And that, that to me, is something that's really important. I, I look at a team like the Toronto Raptors last year. You could really feel as that season went along, it didn't matter who made the shot. It didn't matter who made the stop. It didn't even matter who was on the floor. They were all happy for the other guy as much as they were happy for themselves. And for me, when you get to that point, it is knowing, you know, hey, in that Raptors example, Kawhi's going to be the guy to take us home. But I'm content with that. I don't need to be that guy. I don't have to, you know, do more than what is there because I'm happy to have that. And if it's not him, if Kyle Lowry knocks down the shot or Marcus All comes up with a big play or one of the role players steps up and does something big in that finals run, those guys were always just so pulling for each other. And I think it's more of a feel thing, and you see it as it kind of develops and you see it over time that, you know, this team, they don't really care who's doing what, just that they are doing it and that they're winning. And to me, that's when you can really feel that, that they're playing for each other as much as anything else. Keith, we love it when you have a chance to jump on the show. Thank you very much for doing so, and we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, guys. I hope you all stay safe, you and yours. Right back at you, Keith. Thank you so much. Our friend Keith Smith from Yahoo Real GM and Pro Basketball Talk. Big thanks to him uh, for jumping on. And he uh, he seemed pretty uh, optimistic about things uh, returning, or at least that's the impression I got. Yeah, and he made it seem as though that the players are eager to get back at it, most of them. Right. I, I think, you know, and he um, he he said this as much, too. I, I think maybe some folks will take some convincing, uh, but the majority, it, it, I would guess, uh, would be eager to get back. What did you think of his characterization of the way uh, the playoffs are likely to uh, unfold as far as being an isolated environment? 
Well, I actually do think that they're going to try and fi- finish some games even without playoff teams or likely playoff teams because I think there's there's a, a pretty financial, big financial incentive to do so. Um, but I I mean. I think what he the way he laid it out I, I think is is pretty realistic. I mean that that's the the testing's the the center of it and he alluded to that as well especially if you're going to have players be able to bring their families and those sorts of things. So, you know, that that one big question is is still there but as soon as you can get that resolved uh, to most everybody's satisfaction then I think you absolutely can re- realistically do it. They may get a little tired of having that nose swab, but you know if that's the price uh, they've got to pay to do this safely, I think most I don't want to speak for all players certainly, but most players would would jump on board. If and as this becomes closer to a, a real thing, it really makes me wonder how the Jazz will be able to reform and 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 come back together. And how will they play? And what shape will they be in? And uh, at what level of efficiency will they be able to perform? I, I, I have no clue about any of those answers to qu- those questions. Uh, but it, it would be, as you said earlier, it would be fascinating and a lot of fun to find out. I think the Jazz have some things working for them and some things working uh, against them. Which, what is the number one thing working for and number one thing working against? Uh, you know what? My answer is the same for both. You ready for this? Yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> Drum roll, please. Quinn Snyder. That's my answer for both. Now, what about Quinn? Uh, he's a great coach and uh, have no uh, doubt in my mind that he's uh, going to be um, leading his team the right way. And a good coach, I think, is going to matter a lot to how teams come back and uh, how they prepare for whatever, you know, uh, bubble extravaganza we're in store for. And I think, uh, you know, there are a few coaches in the league you'd rather have than Quinn Snyder in that circumstance. But also, traditionally, with Jazz teams, they're slow starters and good finishers, right? And so with this interruption, I wonder what team comes back. Is it the team that still needs to work a little bit to click, or do they come back and pick up where they left off? Because Dennis Lindsay said on our show the other day, and I totally agree with him, the frustrating part about this was you really saw results in the last couple of weeks before this happened. I mean, the Jazz started playing really well and we're, we're getting away from some of that inconsistency and that was just interrupted. And so now when they come back, will they be able to hit the ground running, which with Quinn Snyder teams has not exactly been their strength. So I would say that's why Quinn Snyder is really my answer for both because I think he's a, a great coach to, to lead a team through truly unique circumstances, but also his teams haven't been the fastest starters. So how will, how will that play its way out? So well, the, is the is the fact that they are they are not always the quickest off the block, is that due to a lack of knowledge or is it due to a lack of timing? Because if it's knowledge, well, this team has figured that out, or most of it. They already have that stored up in their right. in their memory, right? And so you would expect that to be minimized uh, to some extent. Uh, On the other hand, if it is timing, because a lot of guys touch the ball at the offensive end and at the defensive end, there's a lot of team defense that ends up getting played. So I wonder if that needs to be refined. I wonder too. I mean, it's going to be a big... Well, if we get this answer, I'm not sure. 
I think there's probably a little bit of both, right? Timing you, you and could, getting familiar with the offense. So you, you could make the argument that teams that can rely on pure talent uh, will have an advantage because that talent it, it didn't go anywhere. Oh, I totally agree with that. I think you're right on the money there. I think. Uh, Whereas know, a team that has to coordinate and all that, all yeah. that stuff needs to get back uh, to be a well-oiled machine. Yeah, like the Lakers and the Clippers, LeBron and Anthony Davis don't care how fat the rest of the team is. They're coming. They're going <laughs> to carry everybody, right? And and Paul George and and Kawhi Leonard probably feel the same. Is there you know their talent can carry a team you know through the playoffs into a championship? We've seen it. With uh, Kawhi and LeBron. So, yeah, I absolutely think those star, top-heavy teams are going to have an advantage, 100%. On the other hand, they could be tired. They could uh, they could uh, take too much upon themselves and then yeah, but wear the, out. Those guys benef- are benefiting from rest. We can agree to that, right? And I and imagine they circ- also have the resources right. to have been able to train fully during it, this period. Exactly. Let's not pretend that LeBron doesn't have a, uh, you know— practice facility right there at his house <laughs> or he could probably he could probably buy one or he could probably rent one or right? kick everybody else out yes, exactly. and, and tell the the cleaning crew to come in and disinfect everything and it's his for the next two months good news everyone i just bought a gold's gym and it's all <laughs> for me <laughs> yeah, uh, I think those guys have a little bit of an advantage that way. But but do the Jazz have an advantage to uh, that they can get players in the building right now, where other uh, other franchises can't? So you know, what percentage of the league can get players in the building? Wow, I don't know. That'd be interesting yeah, to see. I mean, the California teams aren't right. I suppose not. Um, the teams in the Northeast, uh, my guess is, still cannot. Yeah. I mean, I think states like Illinois and Michigan are still pretty locked down, right? So I don't know if those – I'm with you. It would be really interesting to look through and see. I wonder if some of the, uh, you know, more well-heeled players could just say, okay, everybody meet me at this location where we can get a gym and we can work out and we can get ourselves in proper form uh, moving into a postseason uh, I wonder if any of that is going on or if because of the uh, unanswered questions that nobody is, is going full bore in that regard right now. I'm, I don't know. I'm sure it's going on. I'm sure it is. There's millions of dollars at stake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you can, well, procure, it, it, uh, if you can uh, procure the uh, Mount Olympus Third Ward and uh, get some folks together at a gym, I bet they're doing it. Oh, you think they're kicking everybody out of the church and taking over the gym? No, I was just joking because that's a, a gym that's around here, you know, that uh, is in every neighborhood in Utah. I think Joe Ingalls uh, called up the, the the bishop of whatever ward he lives in and says, hey, I need I'm to take over your gym. I need to get down there and get some shots up. Uh, well, all right. As long as he pays his tithing. <laughs> as long as the, the 10% goes through. I don't know. <laughs> 